This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Welcome back to the Destination Debbie program. Appreciate you joining in, good people. It's been a minute. It's been about a week. I took a week off from video content. I had to get my mind right. There's a lot going on in the NFL world, the college football world, the real world, at home, all of this stuff. I just needed a week to decompress, but I'm back. We're back at it, and I'm excited to talk to you today because college football season has started. We are in the midst of it now. We had Austin P versus Central Arkansas, and I cannot lie, I did not watch one second of it. I had no desire to watch Austin P play football, but I did see some highlights. The college season is underway. We're hearing that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are in negotiations to start football around Thanksgiving. Not buying that. Why don't you just, just come out and say, You messed up Big Ten, you messed up Pac-12, and we want back in, we want to play, and just let's let's kick this thing off. You don't have to, you don't have to backtrack in this absolutely ridiculous fashion that you guys are right now. You made a mistake, you want back in, let's play football, but you know, they're not going to do that. They're talking about we're going to play around Thanksgiving time, BS. I call BS on that, but neither here nor there. What has happened is something that we've talked about and discussed on this program, on this station, on this channel for quite some time. We are seeing more and more of the top 2021 eligible NFL draft prospects opt out. Most recently, Jamar Chase, Kenneth Gainwell, Sage Surratt, all of those guys have opted out of this 2020 college football season and decided to focus on preparing for the NFL draft. And I cannot 
knock any of these players for doing so at this time. As much as we want to sit here and talk about it's it's school spirit, it's the love of the game, they should be competing. There's no reason for some of these guys to play. This season, we've talked about this countless times. It's unlike any other that we've seen, and we're, we're seeing it in the NFL, right? While injuries are a part of football, we all know that those happen. We cannot change that. It's That's the way the game is. It's football. It's Injuries are built into it. It seems like because of lack of offseason work, lack of being around the team and doing team-related activities, we're seeing more and more of these soft tissue injuries. Look at the NFL landscape. I mean, every every single day, every hour, it's a new mysterious lower body injury. It's a new mysterious upper body injury, or this person's tweaked an ankle and is going to be week to week. And we can't pinpoint that directly to the difficulties that COVID has presented, but A plus A, we can assume, right? A plus B equals C or whatever it is, A squared plus B squared, C squared. We can assume that the lack of off-season preparation in this organized format with the teams has not helped these players' causes. So for the collegiate guys to opt out, uh, it, it makes sense. You know, when you're when you're looking at a player like Jamar Chase, and we'll dive into him a little bit later in this show, what more does he have to prove, right? What more, what else can he do? I mean, literally, they went out on top, an undefeated perfect season as a national champion, where he was named first-team All-American, Bolitnikoff Award winner, one of the greatest seasons that we've seen from a collegiate wide receiver in the history of the game. What what else does he need to prove? His production is only going to go down with over 50% of that offense starting a, a starting offense not even returning. I mean, it's just a completely different vibe. Offensive coordinator is gone. Quarterback is gone. Running back. Wide receiver counterpart. Offensive lineman. Everyone's gone. Everybody is gone. So it made no sense for Jamar Chase to return to LSU to compete and to play. One of the things that I'm hearing a lot about on Twitter, are you concerned with these players missing a season, a season and a half of live competition? And the answer to that question for me unequivocally is no. There's still people out here touting Josh Gordon and Jarek McKinnon and players like that in the NFL who've done absolutely nothing for years for years that have done nothing on a field. What happens when a wide receiver in the NFL tears his ACL in the summertime and misses a complete season to rehab his ACL injury? I mean, that, that's coming off, in an, coming off of an injury. We're just talking about players who aren't injured, who are 100% healthy, saying that we are not going to put our lives, put our career earning potential, put our future jobs at risk by playing this weird college football season that has already been delayed. It's not like Chase and Bateman and Micah Parsons and Caleb Farley are just going to sit back and chill out on the couch until the NFL draft. And then when they get drafted, okay, let me turn it on and let me go play. That's not how this works. That's not what these guys are going to do. They are going to continue to train. They're going to continue to work hard. They're going to continue to grind from this point in time up until the time that they're drafted in 2021, in, in May or April, whenever the draft takes place, they are going to work. They still have a pre-draft process that they have to do. It's job interview time. If anything, as an NFL employer, I would be pretty happy that I don't have to worry about Jamar Chase being injured or Rashad Bateman or Rondell Moore taking more abuse on their body prior to entering into the NFL. If, if anything, 
I would be excited about that when you've seen every single thing that you need to see from these guys. I mean, what do you want? You want him to do it three years in a row in order for you to be convinced that he's a good player? You want to see, you know, I, I just need to see Jamar Chase get another 1,000-yard season. Like, I understand that in this space of, of football, fantasy, or NFL, the analytical side plays a big role in the people's evaluations and their processes and how they operate. But I mean, sometimes folks, just let's, let's just use like, let's take our eyes and push all of the numbers aside. When you look at them, what else do you need to see? Just because your model not may not be complete because it doesn't have every single data point. I mean, what the hell else do you need to see from Chase or Bateman or Moore, who dominated as an 18-year-old true freshman, they've already hit said analytical thresholds to predict NFL success. Yes, would another season have been nice for them to have under their belt? But it would it matter if Jamar Chase went out there? If anything, if he went out there without Joe Burrow and without Joe Brady and Clyde Edwards-Helaire and only had 940 receiving yards coming off of a 1,700-yard season, if anything, people would question, well, I knew it was just because he was a part of the greatest offense in the history of college football. Well, I knew that it was this and it was that. Or Rondell Moore goes out there and he, you know, because David Bell is there, because they've got a new quarterback, whatever the situation, if he doesn't replicate what he did as a true freshman, well, you see, he missed some of 2019 and then he did. For what? We don't, it's it's negligible at this point for those players. And what I'm telling everybody who's listening, what is going to happen is these players that have opted out, it will allow some of those fringy day two, day three NFL draft picks who are sitting behind uh, Rondell Moore, who, who have sat behind the Jamar Chase and played second fiddle because of the talent that was around them the year before, it's going to give those players an opportunity to stand up, to shine, to produce, and to boost their draft stock. So if anything, it just elevates and increases and lifts up the depth of the 2021 class. And when you're talking about a player who's going to replace a Jamar Chase, look no further than Terrace Marshall, the six foot four, 200-pound wide receiver who had 12 touchdowns last year, playing fourth fiddle to Thad Moss, CEH, Chase Jefferson sometimes, Missed three games in 2019, and he is a size-speed specimen. I mean, confirmed, verified, 4-5, 40-yard dash coming out of high school. Again, 6'3", 6'4", 200 pounds. If he produces with Miles Brennan as probably the de facto number one wide receiver, there's a chance for Terrace Marshall to go from a guy that maybe needed to come back for a senior season to potentially a day one wide receiver. The size, the athleticism, how he plays, he's a talented wide receiver. When you look at a Travis Etienne, if we hear in the coming days that Travis Etienne decides to opt out, yeah, then look no further than Lynn J. Dixon, the running back out of Clemson, who's very talented himself. I don't think he's a three-down player, but if he produces and has a 12, 13, 1,400-yard rushing season behind that Clemson offense, he could elevate his draft stock from being a guy who was maybe a fifth or sixth round pick, but now he's in the fourth round. So the depth of that 2021 class by way of those backup players actually getting a chance to play. And there are other guys who have opted out or maybe not even opted out. Their conference opted out, which will allow some other players to shine. You know, we look at we look at the Big Ten. They still have not played, right? They're, they're not playing up to this point. 
we look at Trey Lance at North Dakota State. So they're going to play a one-game one game season at NDSU. They play Central Arkansas here in the next couple of weeks. So he's got one game. One game. So let me ask you this question. If Trey Lance goes out there versus Central Arkansas in that one game and doesn't do well, he stinks it up. Is it going to erase everything that we saw from him in 2019? Probably not. It shouldn't. But I'm sure there will be people out there that says, see, he really needed to come back when the reality is, man, these players have bad games. These players have bad games. No player goes out there and smashes every single week and just delivers every single week. And if we see Trey Lance on that bad game, the narrative will be he definitely needs to come back. You see, this is why he needed a season. When you look at players like Najee Harris, if he sits out, it gives a player like Brian Robinson an opportunity to step up. Now, I am not a big B-Rob fan, but it would give him a chance to step up. If any of those receivers, Jalen Waller or Devonta Smith, sit out, then John Mechie is up next, who is draft eligible. So there is a massive ripple effect to these opt-outs that extend further than the first round of rookie drafts in your fantasy football leagues. It impacts the entire NFL landscape. It elevates that draft pool. The studs are studs, and they're going to be studs. I am not concerned about them missing a season. I'm not concerned about them not playing in live action versus the Big 12 or the ACC. Did we really, really need to see Jamar Chase destroy Ole Miss again? Do we really need to see Rondell Moore play against Illinois? Like, we just have to see him versus the Fighting Illini just to know. I just need to see him against the Syracuse Orange one more time before I believe that Rondell Moore is really that guy. Come on, man. Like, some things are not difficult. Some things are commonsensical. No, we didn't need to see it. These are great business decisions by these players. And I'm excited for their NFL potential at the next level. So let's talk about Jamar Chase and what he looks like moving on to the next level at the NFL. Right now in my 2021 rankings, I have three guys that sit inside of tier one wide receivers for me. It's Rondell Moore, it's Jamar Chase, and Rashad Bateman. And that is the most important thing, regardless of how I have those three ranked inside the tier. Tier based rankings, tier based drafting is the optimal approach for me. Essentially, that means I don't care where any of those three, as long as they get the draft capital, I wouldn't care whichever three players I got. If I got one of those three guys, two of those three guys, I wouldn't care which one they were because I do believe that their skill set and their ability at the next level is so similar. Landing spot and draft capital is going to be the ultimate X factor. I love all three of those players and then followed closely by Jalen Waddle, Tamarion Terry, Tylen Wallace, all of those guys are great. Devonta Smith, wide receivers in the 2021 class. But when you look back at what Jamar Chase was able to do in 2019, now, granted, I'm just going to preface this by saying that LSU team, one more time, the greatest offensive team that we've ever seen in college football history. When Justin Jefferson had 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns and sort of is looked at as like the second-tier receiver, and you've got a player, we talked about Terrace Marshall, who had 12 touchdowns over 600 receiving yards as the fourth option in that passing attack that just lets you know how damn good the LSU Tigers were in 2019. But Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, oh my God, Jamar Chase, 84 receptions, over 1,780 receiving yards in 2019 and 20 touchdowns. And what's what's just fascinating by, by, by all of this, 
21.2 yards per reception. This dude was getting down the field and getting open. He had 36 targets that went over 20 yards, 24 receptions, 24 receptions on those targets for 860 yards, 24 catches, 860 yards on those deep passes. I mean, dude, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. His ability to get downfield, to make big plays down the field. Jamar Chase is an absolute unit when he's got the ball in his hands or when the ball is in the air playing much much bigger than his size you know he's listed at six foot six one 200 pounds but he gets down the field he accumulates those air yards and he's able to break tackles he he, he his air yards remind me of a Mike Evans a smaller version of Mike Evans his ability to run after the catch reminds me of AJ Brown just the tank with the ball in his hands and Jamar Chase actually led the NCAA led the NCAA in yards after contact with 411 yards after contact. Nobody else had more than that. Nobody else had more broken tackles with 23 in the country from the wide receiver position than Jamar Chase. When you look at his yards per route run, which is a really good indicator of future success, 3.5 yards per route run, which was fifth in college football. I mean, the, the the advanced analytics, I mean, breakout age of 19, uh, he did everything that you wanted to see a true sophomore do in the constraints or, or the, the explosion of the LSU 2019 Tigers. But don't take that away from Chase. You know, I, I have asked the question, I'll continue to ask the question until we see those guys produce. How much of that team was Joe Brady in that offense and Joe Burrow or how much of it were those guys individually. And I'm talking about Chase. I'm talking about Edwards E. Lair and Joe Burrow and, and Justin Jefferson, all of those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of them do at the next level. Even Joe Brady with Carolina. Let's see him transform Teddy Bridgewater into an efficient thrower of the football, which he was prior to his injury. But it's just a fascinating development. But when you're looking at what Jamar Chase is able to do and why in football, fantasy or real life we should be excited he's going to be a top 10 pick barring some catastrophic failure at the combine or throughout the pre-draft process he's most likely going to be the number one pick at, at the wide receiver position in the 2021 NFL draft he has the least amount of concerns and although I have Rondell Moore ranked higher than Jamar Chase uh, I am not, uh, I'm not ridiculous. He does have concerns about his size and some people question the injury history to my knowledge. He's only had one injury. So I really wouldn't consider that an injury history riddled past, but he does have to shore that up. His size is a limitation. When you look at Rashad Bateman, you know, is he going to get put in that Tyler Johnson category coming out of Minnesota may not be as explosive of an athlete, which I think all of that, to be quite honest, is highly overrated. Yes, it's it's cool to have an explosive 4-2-4-3 athlete on the outside, but there's no correlation between that type of speed and fantasy success or NFL success. So that eh, doesn't matter, right? He's probably the best well-rounded wide receiver of all three of them, Rashad Bateman, that is. But when you're looking at Jamar Chase, he's going to be a top pick in the NFL draft. Therefore, in fantasy, he's going to be a top pick in our rookie drafts next year. And right now, it should feel really good that we've got clarity, at least on the top three guys. And then you can throw in some of those senior level prospects and guys that we're not even talking about, like a Demetric Felton, who's a senior, Warren Jackson, who declared Sage Surratt, a wide receiver from Wake Forest, who a lot of people like. 
also declared. So the class is shaping up really well, but Jamar Chase is definitely at the head of that class. I have heard a lot of talk, you know, a couple of months back about him being the the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones. I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't think he's that level of good. And it would have been nice to see him in an offense that did not have Joe Burrow, who threw for 60 damn touchdowns last year, but we're not going to get a chance to see that. But the overall sentiment about the 2021 class is fade these picks. You you know, I just don't know what the depth is going to be like in the second and third round. Well, you know what? When you look at the 2020 class, after the first round, it was shaky ground in the second round as well. We were taking players like a Zach Moss and Anthony McFarland, A.J. Dillon, LaVisca Chenault with his injury history. So don't, don't, don't make it sound like 2020 was just ironclad from top to bottom. Shit, we had people taking Keyshawn Vaughn in the first round. I mean, so it, it, it is far from a, a foregone conclusion that the 2020 class was just just riddled with all-star type talent throughout the four rounds of the rookie drafts. We had absolutely no tight ends of consequence come out outside of Burrow and Tua. And there were question marks around Tua. There are still question marks around Herbert. What's the quarterback position really look like? And, you know, the running backs, yes, the top five are locked in. But after that, we're talking about Antonio Gibson, who had a grand total of 30-plus carries in his in his final season. We're talking about a Joshua Kelly, who I like. Michael P. Ryan, Anthony McFarland, Darrington Evans looks like a flop. I had him in my top 10. He's fumbling the ball left and right. So when we're talking about the 2021 class in particular, I would not listen. Listen to who you want to listen to. But if you're checking out this program, if you're on this channel, if you're watching this video, you're rocking with me because I haven't led you astray too many times. And I'm telling you right now, if people are fading the 2021 class and selling rookie picks second and third rounders buy them up buy them up because I'm telling you what's going to happen is when these guys sit out it is going to give other players an opportunity and elevate the back end of that class and after we get to the 15th pick the 18th pick in rookie drafts we're all throwing darts anyway I mean there's no sure thing if there was a sure thing Terry McLaurin wouldn't have been falling to the third round a couple of years ago so my advice to you is continue to gain those picks we know the players. We've got three wide receivers locked in. We've got two or three running backs locked in because of senior status. We know Trey Lance is probably going to declare. Trevor Lawrence, we'll see. Justin Fields is probably going to declare. I mean, it, it's looking good. It's looking good. Jamar Chase, that decision was has not been made final, but that is the report. He is going to start preparing for the 2021 NFL draft. Good decision by him. Uh, when I'm looking at where, you know, where he's going to go next year, where we should be valuing him in fantasy, I think he's a starting wide receiver from day one. He's a starting wide receiver from day one, and depending on where he lands, he might be the wide receiver one from day one, a la Jalen Rager prior to his injury today. And, you know, he's he's right there in that mold of, of taking over an offense soon as he gets to the NFL. So Jamar Chase, Great decision opting out of the 2020 college football season. Sucks for us as fans, but you know what? It's a business decision, and he made the right business move. Now, probably one of the most interesting prospects that have opted out of the 2020 college football season is Memphis rising redshirt sophomore Kenneth Gainwell Jr., the running back out of Memphis. We talked about him on this program a couple of times before, but Gainwell is a player that I was really excited to see play again this season. 
And I was a little shocked that he opted out. And I think I was shocked for a good reason because of the season that he put up last year. You know, I don't want to say he wouldn't have replicated it because honestly, outside of Chuba Hubbard, if I had to bet money on what player would lead the nation in all-purpose yards, it would have been Kenneth Gainwell Jr. But this running back at five foot eleven, 191 pounds, he's listed at at the University of Memphis's website. But what he was able to do in 2019 was absurd. He had 231 attempts for 1,459 yards, 13 touchdowns, while chipping in, just chipping in, 51 receptions for 610 yards and three TDs. Total scrimmage yards last year, 2,060. Nine. He was top 25 in both yards after contact and yards after contact per attempt. So for a smaller framed guy, he was still a top 25 player in the country, minimum 100 rushes in yards after contact and yards after contact per attempt. His receiving ability, what he's able to do out of the backfield and in the slot is unmatched. He is the best receiving running back, pass catching running back in this class at the top, you've got Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Chuba Hubbard. However, you have those three mixed in. And right now, Kenneth Gainwell Jr. sits as my fourth-ranked running back in the class. And when I've looked at a lot of mock drafts, I've seen him in the second or third round. I think that's probably the comfort zone for him. If he smashes at the combine and he shows that he's able to produce well in those drills while weighing 200-plus pounds, you know, he's going to have to put on a little bit of weight. I think he can sneak into the second round. If not, there's no way he falls out of the third round. In third round draft capital now, I think we need to start looking and reevaluating at what we think good draft capital is for a running back. In the past, it was top 10 first round. You know, we just saw a draft where the greatest running back, one of the greatest running backs in college football history, was taken as RB3 in the second round. Clyde Edwards-Elaire, a, essentially a one-year wonder, was the only first-round pick. Then DeAndre Swift went at the top of the second and then followed by Jonathan Taylor. So if a player like Taylor, if a player like Swift, if a player like CEH barely squeezed into the first round of the NFL draft in a loaded running back class, I can't foresee a player like Kenneth Gainwell jumping any of the big three, but I also don't see any of the big three going in round one. I think all of those three are second round picks. Kenneth Gainwell, a tier below them, probably going to be a third round pick, but day two draft capital, I think that is perfect. And his skill set and what he's able to do. One, he's an underrated rusher in between the tackles. You look at his frame and you think there's no way this guy can be a, a, a consistent ball carrier at the next level because of his frame. Well, I challenge you by watching how he's built. And if you look at his legs, he's built really thick and he's got room to fill out a frame. So I'm not concerned about Kenneth Gainwell. Is he going to be a 20 plus carry a game guy? No, but in today's NFL, how many players do we really have like that in the NFL? 13, 14 that are consistent. Just you can give them 20 plus touches a game and they're going to produce. I think he's best used in a role like a lot of players use. A lot of teams use these players in now, sort of like Alvin Kamara and the Saints. You use him as a guy who may carry the ball 15, 16 times in a game, but you're also going to throw him throw it to him eight or nine times every single game and targets are worth more than rush attempts. So give me the guy that can line up in the slot that can line up outside and can line up in the backfield. I think of him as a plus version of James White. That's that's I think he's a better rusher and he's just a, as good of a pass catching wide receiver weapon out of the backfield as James White. So when you're looking at how valuable James White is in PPR formats, 
he carries the ball 60 times a season, and he still sometimes ends up as an RB1 in PPR format. So when you're looking at Kenneth Gainwell in his trajectory, in his progression, I mean, we, we talk about Antonio Gibson and how much we like what he could be at the next level. And at six foot, 220 pounds, he definitely has an opportunity to be more of an in-between the tackles bell cow than Kenneth Gainwell Jr. But there was a reason why Antonio Gibson wasn't given a full workload at Memphis. There was a reason why Patrick Taylor was relegated to the bench. And it was because a redshirt freshman named Kenneth Gainwell Jr. was out there carrying the ball 220 plus times for over 1,400 rushing yards and catching the ball out of the backfield 51 times for over 600 receiving yards. Because he's that good. He's that talented. And I don't want to hear, it's the Memphis system. What the hell is Ohio State? What is Alabama? What was LSU in 2019? Like, you can't use that argument against Kenneth Gainwell, but then use that same argument to support your love for Jamar Chase, your love for Travis Etienne. Do you want to see the rushing lanes that Travis Etienne goes through? Patreon.com forward slash gas. I did a film breakdown of Travis Etienne versus Najee Harris. And I'm telling you right now, when you're talking about just wide asshole open lanes, J.K. Dobbins had a lot of them, but Travis Etienne had a whole bunch of them. Now, Etienne, I'm not comparing the two. I think Etienne is the superior player. But Kenneth Gainwell, this was a big opt-out. This was a big opt-out. This is telling me that these guys are asking questions. They are asking questions about what their future looks like, where they could potentially go. They're getting advice from people, and they're getting good advice. And some good advice was Kenneth you don't need to go back. You need to take your talents, go to the NFL. And if he does, in fact, declare, and if he is, in fact, drafted, he's going to be one of the youngest running backs that we've seen come through the NFL in quite some time, which is also a good thing, right? We don't have the old guy in Najee Harris. I know a lot of people talk about his age. Kendall Gainwell is going to be like four years younger than Najee Harris in the same draft class. I know it's ridiculous, but that's how young he is. I mean, he was born in 2000. So, it's going to be fun, and I believe this is just the tip of the iceberg. We still have a couple of weeks away from the official kickoff of Power 5 Division One college football, and I fully expect to see more opt-outs. Some of the big names that I'm still waiting on, Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris, the, the pair of Alabama receivers and Waddle and Smith, waiting on Travis Etienne to see what he does, trying to, trying to see what happens with a player like Trevor Lawrence, who was dug in so hard that he wanted to play. And just because you start the season out doesn't mean you finish the season. I can definitely see a situation where some of these guys start out playing and with the slightest inkling of an issue with their body, they hang that shit up. They're like, we're done, not doing it, not playing, opting out, holding out. Nick Bosa did the same thing a couple of years ago with Ohio State, started off the season, got hurt, and said, Psh good sitting this one out and to a certain degree we saw Rondell Moore do that last year at Purdue from all accounts when he injured his hamstring he could have come back towards the end of the season but just said nope not going to do it I'm going to train get healthy for this upcoming 2020 season then COVID hit the pandemic we know 2020 went to hell so here we are right now college football is back I'm excited. I, I, I want to get into some team breakdowns. I can't wait to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. The University of Texas has some players. When you're looking, the Big 12 in general is going to be fun. Zach Evans. I want to see some ACC play. I want to see Gibbs from Georgia Tech. I want to see Sam Howell and Dayami Brown and Daz Newsom one more time. I want to see what little Tua looks like 
at Maryland. So it's going to be a fun season, and I am excited to get you ready for your rookie drafts. Talk, this is what I love to do. It's college football. It's talking prospects. It's just talking football. And I know a lot of you guys listen for the entertainment factor, and and that's what I want to make sure that I'm doing. I want to make sure that when you're listening to this program, when you're tuned into the station uh, on YouTube or you're listening via the podcast, you are entertained, and it's like we're having a conversation. We're conversing back and forth right here, talking about players, talking about prospects, who's good, who stinks. That's what we do on Destination Debbie. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the pod, leave a rating and review. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, Destination Debbie. Greatly appreciate a thumbs up on the video. And if you want more access to me, because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep you ahead of the curve, man. Everybody that signed up to the Patreon, I haven't had one person say that this is this is something that's not useful. It's trash. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm keeping you ahead of the game, baby. I'm keeping you ahead of the game. Patreon.com forward slash all gas for exclusive access to me and the best damn Devi community in fantasy football. Appreciate you. Have a good Monday. Start your week off right. I'll be bringing you more gas later this week. Talk a little redraft. Did some stuff with the patrons over the weekend. Robust RB versus zero RB versus drafting quarterbacks earlier, waiting a little bit later. Redraft season is here. College season is here. Destination Debbie has you covered at all times. All gas, baby. And before I get out of here, I just want to say everybody, men, women, whoever's listening to this program, get checked out, man. Cancer is real. F cancer. And I just want to say rest in paradise to the man, Chadwick Bozeman, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, baby. We're out.